This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to the MVFC First and Goal podcast. Today we are visiting with longtime Missouri State Athletic Director Kyle Motes, who is in his fourth season as a member of the FCS Playoff Committee. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. I know how, how busy things are this time of year for you. When it comes to the FCS Playoff Committee, how does one even go about getting appointed to it? Yeah, that comes from the conference office. I think uh, I think it really is a, a rotated position. Um, I think uh, Patty, uh, uh, Commissioner uh, Patty, has uh, done that. That's how I think it was done. My in my case, uh, Troy Dannon uh, was the representative. Troy left to go to Tulane, and and then they asked me to uh, fill his spot for the remaining two years, and then I was appointed for another, um, I guess, four years. So that's how I got on it. I think that's pretty much how it works. It's a rotated position. What do you feel like are some of the strengths that you bring to it? Yeah, I I mean, I I enjoy football. I really love football. So uh, I think, you know, based upon now that I've been on the committee, you have to, you have to really like it and and certainly, I think, uh, understand uh, the game. Uh, the, The difficulty, I think, in the committee besides the time, which that isn't, isn't difficult, it's just time-consuming, is, is um, watching games and trying to differentiate between uh, a team that might be fifth in a conference as opposed to a team that's first in the conference, maybe at a conference that isn't as good or isn't as deep and as strong. And since we're talking about the Valley, I'll say the Valley, right? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're so strong. But uh, th- that's, I think... The, the, the most difficult part about um, the committee is trying to differentiate between those teams. And then, uh, um, uh, you know, seating also becomes somewhat difficult. But I think the most difficult part of the of the job is really trying to understand and, and watch film and talk to people and talk to coaches about what teams um, they think are the best and what teams you think ultimately are the best because you have to vote that way. When you're talking to coaches, are you talking to coaches specifically in the Missouri Valley, or are you talking to coaches all over the country? Yeah, I stick to the Valley um, um, and and more about those coaches because I know those guys better. If I knew somebody, which, again, I do, and I'm not going to say which ones they yeah, are, but and I, I, I would call them, especially if there was a team that, that they played mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, what do you think? Um, and, and I would hope that they would give me their honest feedback. What does the behind-the-scenes process look like for the committee from the start of the season to the playoff reveal that you will have on November 24th? Well, it, it, it's a lot. You know, we meet uh, um, year-round. Um, we don't always meet on, on the selection criteria. Uh, we start that in the fall, um, and we – watch games we select the games that we think are going to be the best early on and then we adjust those depending on how the season goes uh, and then what we we you know we meet um uh on a weekly basis actually we meet twice a week 
once the season gets started, we're right in the middle of it right now. Uh, and then you have your rack meetings or rack calls. And, and I happen to be in the central rack, and that central rack consists of uh, the Pioneer League, the OVC, and then obviously the Missouri Valley Conference. And there's there's two reps from each conference, and we talk about the teams uh, in that central region, uh, and we evaluate them, and we discuss if there's injuries or, or uh, how the games went, and then you know we rank those teams uh, in the central region as people do in the south, the east, and in the west. What's something that goes on behind the scenes that the public doesn't realize or necessarily understand? Well, I don't know if they wouldn't understand it. I think I think you you vet the teams uh, the best you can. There's criteria that we have, and 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 let me uh, let me tell you what that criteria is. But the overall record, the record against Division One opponents, non-conference record, record against opponents from other FCS automatic qualification conferences, records against F- FBS, head-to-head, common opponents that you would play. Uh, I, as I mentioned, the rack. The rack's also another criteria, and then the uh, the SRS, which is uh, the NCA's, you know, kind of uh, NET, if you will. Okay, and then and, and, and the coaches poll. So we those are the tools that we have to use to make our decisions um, uh, on how we, you know, rank the teams and select the field. But I don't I don't know necessarily if there's a behind the scenes Kelly that you wouldn't expect. There's a lot of discussion. Uh, the great thing about this committee is is people are very respectful. Uh, you know, we 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 are passionate about teams that we support that may not be in our league, that may be you know other teams that we think are are uh, worthy of being in the in the tournament or even a seed. Uh, but I think uh, I think people need need and do their homework. And um, I don't, but I don't think that's anything that people wouldn't think is behind the scenes that. Uh, uh, that we shouldn't do as a committee. The, the criteria that you just listed, is there any aspect of that, that that you would as a committee emphasize one more so than one, another criteria? No, no, no. Each individual committee member uh, can value the criteria the way they want to. So there, there's no weighted uh, criteria for the committee. Okay. And then when you guys are in the war room, so to say, making the final decisions that that final weekend of the regular season, I'm assuming it's by ma- your by majority that you're deciding because I'm assuming that there's going to be people that feel differently about certain teams and you have to come to some sort of consensus, but maybe it's not always 100%. Yeah, no, it 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 uh it isn't 100%. There's a certain amount there's a kind of a formula based upon how many teams are left, and and uh, it's again, it's complicated that I don't have it right in front of me. But but it's not a hundred percent. There's a certain amount of votes you have to receive to move on to the next round, if you will. How do you strike a balance of of fighting for Valley football teams, uh, which which you know, and obviously you're the athletic director at one of those teams, with with being fair with regards to the other conferences and the other teams who may be in the mix. 
Well, I think it's our responsibility as a committee member uh, to look at all the teams in a fair and just way. And uh, uh, I, I think I do a pretty good job of, of trying to understand where I think we are and, and, and that team or teams that are, depending on the situation, if we're, if we're talking about a seed or we're talking about a team getting in the field or, or you get down to the last three or four, you know, you're evaluating teams um, not necessarily against the Valley. You wouldn't do that. You would, you would evaluate teams uh, based upon that similar criteria that you're evaluating those. So you, you look at those criteria and you try to match them up based upon all the things I said. And, and then, you know, you, we also look at games. You know, we watch a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, um, you can't just go off of the criteria I just said, even though that's the, the voting part of it that you use, but you have to watch games. And we watch um, – uh, uh, we watch at least three or four games that the NCA sends to us, and then we watch games on our own, and then obviously the games that we go to and participate in. So, you know, it could be as many games as you want to watch, really, but but um, you're probably watching six or seven games a weekend, uh, and more than that when it gets down to later in the season. Yeah. Does it make any difference that final weekend of the regular season for a team that's playing, maybe they're a bubble team, um, how they play in that last final regular season game to make a final impression on the committee? Yes, it does. I think it depends on the situation in the team. But uh, uh, historically, since I've been on the committee, we've had a couple of games that, that have made a difference the last week of the year. Um, you know, I, I'll give you, for example, like Colgate. Last year, I believe, played Army. And, and Colgate was in the, in the field, right? So the, the question was, should they be a top eight seed? That was the discussion. And, and they played really well against Army. They didn't beat Army, but they played really well. And I think that helped the committee, and we all watched that game uh, when, when we made that decision. So, uh, yes, and I can give you some other examples uh, in, in past years. If, you know, there's, there's playoff games where if a team, you know, wins that game and goes, uh, you know, head to head and that's the game that they need to win and they win that game then they got a better chance of getting in if they lose that game then they probably aren't going to be in so there it depends on the schedule depends on what it comes down to depends on the uh, on the situation with who's left in the field so yes it does make a difference those those last games we look at the full you know you always hear about the full body of work right yeah. well you got to wait till every single game is played uh, so you can make that decision when you have a year like this season where you're looking at a possible five bid year, how challenging is it to sell putting that many teams from one conference in? Well, it doesn't. It, it, one of the criteria is it doesn't matter how many teams are coming from a, a certain conference. That, that that's irrelevant. Um, um, so we don't look at it that way. Okay. Um, you look at each individual team and and how it stacks up against everybody else. But if there's you know, eight to nine teams in a conference, then there's eight to nine teams in a conference. So we take a look at each individual uh, school and, and we evaluate them on their criteria, regardless of the number in that particular conference. Last night, the FCS committee revealed their top 10, what it is as of, as of right now, uh, with, with three weeks to go in the regular season. This is something I, I believe you, you guys started doing in, in recent years. And so why why is it something that the committee felt like they wanted to do yeah we just i think we needed to be more transparent with the process so people understood kind of where they were where they stood um and and it just gives a kind of an insight it's really kind of more of a marketing tool for the nca to let them know that we're working on it and 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 it allows us to to showcase fcs football so uh 
it again it's it's not the uh, the the final body of work. There's there's a lot left to be done, but this at least gives people an idea that hey, the playoffs are coming, and and uh, here are the teams that have done well thus far, and. Uh, uh, I think it's more for the fans than it is anything. But but I think it also has helped us, Kelly. It's it's helped us, I think, really work harder as a committee uh, uh, earlier than maybe later. And and uh, you know it's important that we get it right uh, certainly. And if, if the tournament was today, that's what it would be, right? I mean that's that's kind of where the seating would be. Those those top eight seeds, not the top ten, but. Uh, so I, I think it forces the committee to really um, zero in uh, m- more effectively uh, at this point. So it, it's good for us, and, and it's certainly fun for the fans. You have a num- number of new representatives on the committee this year. What type of learning curve is, is there the first season that you're a part of a committee like this? Yeah, I'm I, I just going to speak for myself. I just, you know, it wasn't so much of, of evaluating and looking at the teams I I think that part was, you know, you understood that, but it's just the processes and and how how the committee works, and you know, you're going to be sent to different sites, and you have to represent the NCA when you have a manual and you meet with the teams, and you have to make sure that 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 you represent the NCA and the championship is fair and equitable when you go to these sites. So that was the part that I probably was the, the most concerned about is just making sure I followed through with what the manual said and what the NCA wanted. Uh, what's something that you you know now in year four of doing this that you didn't necessarily know in year one, but you would have liked to? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think um, I think the biggest thing is you just have to wait till everything gets done. You you can, in terms of the games and 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 the full body work is really important because things can change so much from the middle of the week or middle of the week, the middle of the season and, and, and the end of the season. So you think someone's doing well, they are doing well, but then they run into a, you know, a three game skid or, or they lose their quarterback or the running back gets hurt. Uh, so then you have to evaluate those types of things. So I, I think it's, I think patience is really the best thing. I think, you know, we, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when we first did the unveil, two years ago, uh, I want to say North Dakota State wasn't number one. Maybe they're number two. Oh, my goodness. You know, you would have thought that you would have thought that the football was coming to an end, you know, because the the Bison were not happy about that. So, uh, again, it, it was um, – I think that actually was a little bit maybe middle of the season, maybe before the middle of the season. So, um, again, it was just uh, – it was just that snapshot in time of where we were. And then – you know, as it turned out at the end of the year, I think, or at the end of the, when we when we uh, made the selections, I think North, or North Dakota State ended up being number one at that time. But uh, again, it, it, you know, it depends on who you're playing. Maybe you didn't play, you know, the top teams in your league when we had that vote. It was playing teams at the bottom half and your non-conference wasn't great. So therefore you were, you know, you were, you were ranked lower at that particular time. But doesn't mean you can't get to a different position later in the year. So I think patience was the biggest thing. For the seeded teams, how difficult is it to factor in the regional aspect while trying to ensure that teams from the same conference, and let's just use a, a North Dakota State and South Dakota State as an example, because that's something that you know has been a talking point in years past, You know, trying to make sure that they're not on the same side of the bracket. Obviously, though, you're not going to see teams just because of that reason. Yeah, that makes 
uh, makes no difference to us uh, in the seating process, um, uh, geographics and, and regionalism, if you will, make no difference. We, we seed the best eight teams um, regardless of where they're from. makes no difference. So uh, we don't worry about the bracketing. We just worry about seeding the best eight teams and where they should go. And then if it falls, and again, we'll, we'll keep using South Dakota State, North Dakota State because it's happened. Yeah. So, so if North Dakota State ends up being one and South Dakota State ends up being four, well, they're probably going to, you know, if they went out, right, they would play each other in the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, so it, but, but we don't look at that or we don't consider that at all when we're seeding. We seed the best eight teams regardless of where they're from and what conference they're from. Uh, that makes no difference. You're never going to make everybody happy. When the playoff committee gets criticism, in what cases is it valid? Well, I think it's always easy uh, in, in hindsight to criticize the committee. Uh, I, can, I can speak last year. Um, I think uh, in terms of, of teams that were the higher seed, I think there was two games where the, where the um, um, under-seeded team um, won in an upset in all the games. So I thought from a committee standpoint, I thought that was about as good as you could do. Yeah. And uh, um, now you can argue whether or not the right teams were in, okay? But the teams that we selected uh, and the and the outcomes of those games, uh, I thought that was pretty good. I think that was. I mean, that's pretty hard to beat if you're picking. You know, you got 24 uh, teams in the games that we had. There was only, if you will, two upsets, and and I thought that was pretty good. So I, I think you can get. You know, I, I know how this committee works. Uh, uh, the guys on the committee are, are uh, want the best for FCS football. We work at it really hard. Um, we have good discussion, uh, and we take great pride in making sure that that we have matchups that we think are correct and the right teams get in because we know how important it is to coaches and, and student athletes. Frisco is locked in now as the FCS championship site, I believe, through 2024. What has made Frisco such a good home for the national title game for the FCS level. Yeah, Frisco's done a great job. Uh, uh, they they want the FCS championship, so I think that's the first thing is that they have they have a, a great interest uh, for it. Uh, they've got I think a great venue. It's a perfect size for us right now. Um, it's centrally located in the country. Uh, it's certainly easy to get to. Um, and, and so I think all those things, they're, they're very good to work with. It's a, it's a football frenzy area, which I think is important. Um, and again, I, I think the experience that our student athletes have had uh, with the championship has been very favorable. And we, when we talk to the, the, the teams afterwards and our, our um, questionnaires and, and, they, and they have a great time there. So uh, I, I think they've done a great job of hosting. Uh, and I think it's only going to get better and better, and, and I think that's why we extended that contract out uh, for that facility. They've been great to work with, and, and uh, we really appreciate their interest in FCS football. It was recently announced that ABC will actually be broadcasting the FCS National Championship game this year. In years past, it's been on ESPN, ESPN2. What does that say about not only the level of commitment but the interest in FCS football that it is being moved to a big primetime network. 
I, I agree, Kelly. I think it's wonderful. We were ecstatic when we heard that uh, for ABC to take it. Um, and I think you're exactly right. It Here's what we know. People love football. They love football. And, and football is college football, I think, is is one of the best, if not the best uh, sports um, going and, and people want more of it. And I think the networks understand that they want that. And we've got good football. Our football is very good and especially at the championship level. So uh, I was very happy that they did that. And again, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't think that people had an interest or they could sell it. So that, that's important. Uh, with regards to the FCS playoff committee, anything else you feel like we should know or that you'd like to share about the process or anything related to it? Well, I think this year one of the new things that we're going to do is you're going to be able to see some of those behind-the-scenes things that you asked about. We're going to be more transparent about that. So you're going to see some of that on social media. Nice. Uh, so uh, you'll get to see some of the interaction, uh, certainly not maybe the nitty-gritty, but you'll, you'll get to see some of it, see how it works, see how it's set up. And, and again, I think that cloud of mystery might be – uh, gone when you see we're you know we're in the room just like everybody thinks we are. We got monitors. We're looking at screens and and we've got a lot of data to try to uh, make good information or good good uh, educated um, uh, good educated decisions. The way that FCS football does their postseason is is wildly popular with the the playoff format. Do you ever see a situation where the FBS would move to something similar in format to the what the FCS level has? Oh, I wouldn't say I would never say never. I, I think I think what's going to happen as long as you have uh, power five conferences not participating in uh, the playoff, if you will, with the current 14 playoff, then you're going to see the bracket expand. Um, and, and therefore, you may get you may get certainly eight at some point in time, because uh, the power conferences don't want to be left out. They, they, there's already a gap there where, you know, if the Big Ten and the SEC are making it every year and the Pac-12 is falling behind or the Big 12 is falling behind, that, that's that's just not something that, that that's going to uh, work with, with the power five. They, they, well, they want to have more of a level playing field, and they dictate what's happening. So uh, I, think, I think there's certainly a possibility that you could see more teams. I'm not sure you're going to get to 24 uh, but but I think you're going to get more teams eventually because you have to have you have to have everybody included because that just won't work. They don't like that. Kyle, you're now in your 11th year as athletic director at Missouri State. What are you most proud of during the past ten and a half years or so in Springfield? Yeah, I you know I, I take great pride in our student athletes and our coaches. We've had coaches that have been here a long time. They love Missouri State. Uh, our student athletes are really good kids. We have very few problems, and 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 I, I'm just proud to be, you know, part of that whole team. Uh, you know, we would like to win more than we have won, uh, but uh, we're still working on that. And we've had a lot of success. You know, we've, you know, our baseball team has done great. Uh, volleyball has done super, making the NCAA tournament uh, many years. We we've got uh, the Lady Bears with their success in the Sweet 16. We've had great individual champions in swimming and team championships there. So uh, we, we've done, we've done uh, I think, good on the field, and, and, we've, and we've improved academically as well. And, again, I know people don't look at that as much, but, but it's one of our number one things that you can – you know, it's not mutually exclusive. You can do both. You can be successful on the field or uh, on the court and certainly in the classroom. So 
Um, I, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we get along really well with our university and our president. Um, I think people have a tough time somewhere when you have athletics and and, and, and universities nowadays, and, and that sometimes uh, there's friction, and, and we don't have that. We have a great relationship with the university, and uh, I appreciate that very much. It makes both of our jobs a lot easier, so I, I thank President Smart for that. So, um, you know, we're lucky. We, we've got a really solid conference. You know, the Valley is very well respected, um, and, and Springfield's a great place to live, and, and I just think that uh, we're very fortunate to have the things that we have. We'd like to have more. Every day we're fighting out there to try to find more uh, for our coaches and our student athletes, but but that's the challenge that makes this job a lot of fun. I'm glad you brought up the the academics and some of the other off the field stuff. As media and fans, we tend to focus so much on the wins and and the losses and the, the records. What's something that stands out about Coach Steckel and his staff and and the job they're doing out of the public eye that's impressed you? Yeah, I mean we we have we have had the best. Um, APR rankings we've had in, in football in my 11 years. Our GPA is the highest it's been in my 11 years with Coach Steck. We've had more community involvement in terms of hours uh, than we've ever had. So we're, we're doing a lot of good things, and, and I think some people understand that. And you're right, Kelly. It, it's, you know, what gets the most uh, attention is the wins and losses, and and those are important. Make no make no mistake, those are very important, and and we certainly um, want to do both, right? We want to be able to do all those things I mentioned, and we want to be able to win. And uh, I know Coach Steck and his staff are working their tails off. They're recruiting hard, and uh, um, you know I know we got to get that thing turned around, and he's working his tail off, and that's what we're going to try to do is keep helping him get that turned around. You were a part of the Lady Bear Sweet 16 run this this past year and got to to be around that squad and the the history of the women's basketball program there at Missouri State runs so deep as it is. What was unique about last year's run and, and the the current climate of women's basketball? Well, I you know that group of of student athletes was just a, they're a special group because they're just quality great character kids um I, I don't know if any of them were superstars i mean danielle was certainly um our best player jazz was a, a, an excellent freshman and, and probably underrated within the conference in my opinion but but the, the ability for that team not to get nervous or or they just were cool as cucumbers and 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 they just meshed so well together i, I felt like that was one of the best teams that we've had it because we didn't have superstars. We didn't have it. They just worked really well together and they never got nervous. And, you know, even with their one and seven start, we all felt like, you know, this is a really good team. We're playing a very good competition. A couple breaks here and there. We might not have won. You know, we would have won maybe two or three more games in non-conference, but didn't happen. But, but they believed in themselves. And, you know, Kelly did such a great job of just not panicking and, and they just kept getting better and better. And, and I think our history and our tradition helps because our fans you know love the lady bears and they support them through thick and thin and and uh um so i I just think that was probably more than anything we just the kids that we had are such character quality kids and and you have to have that when you have a little bit of adversity and you know they they start the season off and they they upset minnesota (laughs) you know on tuesday at at minnesota (laughs) yeah coach mox has done you know the kids love her they she's just been embraced immediately by our our team which didn't surprise me a bit because 
they're sponges. They want to learn. They want to continue to get better. And Coach Mox keeps driving them and keeps pushing them. And, and the relationship that they've uh, garnered here uh, early on has been just phenomenal. So I expect good things to keep happening. And uh, uh, they're a very confident group, but but they're not they're not uh, egotistical. They're not. Uh, you know, where, where they want to show off. They're just, they just believe in themselves and, and they believe in one another. I think that's the most important thing is, is if somebody's not doing well, we've got somebody else that can, can play just as well. We're, we're very deep. And, and uh, I think that's the part that makes this group so much fun because there are a lot of kids that, that are going to play and they all have uh, different roles and they know it and they don't try to do too much more than what they're supposed to do. You've had a hand in hiring a number of coaches during your time at Missouri State. What does the process look like for finding and hiring coaches? Well, that process comes comes back to me. I, I think that's one of the jobs, probably the most important job of an athletic director is to be able to hire good coaches. And so you have to be on the lookout, no matter what the sport is, for people that you think would be a good fit at you know at, at Missouri State. So um, certainly work with folks internally. Uh, listen to constituents on the outside of uh, people that they think might be good and you, you, you look those up and you, you do some research on those people and you have to make sure it's a good fit for Missouri State. So um, that, that's really where I look at it. I, I think as an as a athletic director, you know, we go on these trips and we go watch other teams and I think people think we just go to, to watch the games. Well, you know, part of what that is true, we do go to watch the games because we have to comment on that and we have to understand what's going on. But but I'm always watching how other coaches coach and watching assistant coaches and paying attention to them because I think, you know, that's the that's where you're probably going to get your next coaches from somewhere else. Not always. You can certainly get it from internal, but you see those folks all the time. So you have a better understanding of your internal folks. But when you're looking to find out who's the best coaches you can find for your for your institution, you, you sometimes may have to look elsewhere. But uh, um, I think the most important thing is just paying attention, looking at the landscape, talking to coaches, talking to other coaches, and, and finding out who's the best fit. And, and you know, there's a lot of people out there who want to be head coaches. So you've got to figure out, again, uh, the criteria that makes sense for you and your institution because each institution is different. How did you lure two up-and-coming coaches like Coach Box and Dana Ford to Springfield? Well, uh, you probably have to ask them why they decided to come. But but my philosophy is I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. I don't I don't sugarcoat it. I'm not a I'm a, I wouldn't consider myself a great salesperson um, uh, because I'm not going to tell you things that aren't true. I'm going to tell you what what the difficulty is, I'm going to tell you what the challenges are, and I'm going to be a straight shooter. And and as long as I think coaches know that, then they can make the determination whether or not they want to come or not. Uh, we're, we're pretty, again, I, we have other coaches, we have other people that can talk about our program and talk about our institution, and and that's where I think you know you have somewhat of a reputation. People know how you are, how you conduct business, and, and that's what I hope is is why people want to come here. They love our institution, they love Springfield, and they feel like they can win at our institution, and we'll give them the resources to be successful. Kyle, you've had experiences athletically at, at Louisville. You had stops at Marquette and University of Kentucky. What makes Missouri State and, and specifically the mid-major level special? Well, it's just it, it really is different at, at that level. The the amount of resources and and, and the money is is uh, I don't know. I don't want to say if it's easier because it's all relative, right? I mean, you know, Louisville didn't think they had as much as Notre Dame, you know, but I mean, they both had a lot of money. So, so you're able to do 
more things uh, um, just because you have the resources. So uh, I think I think the special part of this is, you know, I, I probably took for granted that when I was at Kentucky and Louisville that we went to the NCAA tournament every year. You just you're going to go to the NCAA tournament every year. Yeah. And and although that was great and I enjoyed going to the NCAA tournament every year, um, when when we get to the NCAA tournament here, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And and that's the part that that I want our student athletes to be able to experience that because that's that's the ultimate, right? To be able to get at the national level and compete for the national championship, I I think is the epitome of what you want as a student athlete uh, coming here. Again, we want to graduate, but from from the from the competitive standpoint, you want to be able to play against the best. And and um, I think that's probably the special part is trying to get as many teams and um, uh, to be able to experience that. And it's certainly uh, it's certainly harder to do here, uh, and not and not because necessarily we don't have all the resources. It's just I think sometimes the mid majors don't get the opportunities as much as the Power Five get. So you know when we talk about NCAA basketball and and, and you know, only getting you know the automatic bid and and the at larges are maybe three between all of us. Yeah, that's really yeah. difficult. That's hard to do. So um, it maybe changes how you have to do things a little bit. Other sports, excuse me, other sports, you know, we may be getting two or three teams in the NCAA tournament, baseball and volleyball, where you get multiple teams in. So, you know, we, we want to be able to have that experience for our student-athletes to, to, to get to the national championship and the NCAA and, and compete. And, and I think that's the part that, you know, we're striving for every day. Kyle, anything else that you'd like to share about your background or Missouri State? Oh, I don't think so. I, I just think you know, we've got a really special place here. I'm very fortunate to be here. And, 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 you know, I appreciate our fans because they're so passionate about Missouri State. And they, they want us to do better. And I know that. And, and you know, specifically in football and in basketball, uh, they they want to they want us to do better than what we currently have been doing. And they want to get the NSA championship. And, and and they want us to improve in football. And, and that's what we're working on every day. And, and uh, um, that's the challenge. And, and that's what makes it so much fun. And, and, and I love college athletics. I can't imagine doing anything else. And and uh, uh, I love the, the, the competitiveness that it has. Um, and it drives me and it makes me keep working hard every day to, to help our student athletes. So uh, I appreciate the time to talk. And this is my first podcast, Kelly. Really? So thank you. Oh, well, I'm, I'm honored that you're a guest. I know we had a couple audio <laughs> hiccups, so I appreciate <laughs> Appreciate your patience, but it's a it's about to get real busy for you here these next couple of weeks. So I I don't know how much you'll be sleeping, but I know you'll be having fun. Yeah, that we we know that it's not a surprise. We've got we're hosting soccer here this weekend, and and uh, certainly our team is in it for the valley, and and uh, so along with the WNIT with the Lady Bears playing, and we've got volleyball here this weekend. And we've got men's basketball. So this weekend itself is going to be uh, very busy. But uh, at this time of year, you've got the crossover with the fall sports and you've got the winter sports. So, But, again, it's, it's a great time of year. Yeah, Bear, Bears fans, don't, they don't even need to leave the campus. They can just go go from one to the next pretty much. That's right. Just, just park right here in the middle of the campus and you just walk to them. They're all right here. You got it. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Uh, say say hi to my good friend, Callie Carroll. We, I don't know if she told you, but we used to work together uh, in Southern Illinois uh, at the TV station. Yeah, I'll bet you two were a handle. Boy, <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, Kelly's, 
Callie's doing great for us, and and she, you talk about loving the bears. She absolutely loves the bears. Oh, she bleeds the she she was bleeding the bears back at Channel Three with me. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Okay. Good travels. Thanks, Kelly. If you like what you heard from Kyle Motes in our MVFC First and Goal podcast, take a moment to share, subscribe, and leave a review. Lineupmedia.fm also is home to many other sports podcasts, shows like Two Birds on a Bat, Blues NHL Podcast, and The Drop. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.